0: hey what's up story geeks thanks for joining us today on the story geeks podcast i'm justin and i'm joined today by my fellow story geeks co-host natalie how are you today natalie i'm doing good how are you justin i'm doing good staying safe you know staying yep (laughs) um enjoying many geek stories during this time
1: as am I. Lots of video games, lots of movies. I'm still falling behind on shows, though. I don't know how that's happening. I know. Online, me but... too. I have
0: more time than ever before, but still not enough time to pick catch up. I'm almost caught up on uh, Jack Ryan, and I'm enjoying that one.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: Well, I don't know if you've already heard the first podcast, but all of our Story Geek hosts are taking the time to share what some of their most impactful geek stories are, and Story Geeks co-hosts Sandra, Nick and Priscilla already had a podcast published, and Jay and Daryl will be sharing theirs soon. So, thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. and To make sure you don't miss any of those great podcasts or any of the upcoming conversations we have planned, you can join the Story Geeks Club on Facebook for free and you can learn more about becoming a vip at thestorygeeks.com so let's talk more about our impactful geek stories so we're gonna be diving into movies tv shows broadway shows kind of the whole gambit but let's start with movies so natalie what did you say was your most impactful geek movie
1: all right so i I'm going to go with the obvious choice for everybody that knows me. They already know it's going to be a Star Wars film. Absolutely. Um, but like, what made, what's fun about Star Wars is that you can talk about it like as a whole, and you can also get really specific, especially in today's day and age, with how much more we have to dive into this galaxy far, far away. I am a little nervous though about my most impactful story because it's not the, my particular film is not the most popular in the fandom, even Mm. to this day, Um, but I don't care. Uh, My most impactful of all Star Wars is actually The Phantom Menace, so episode one. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but that was the first Star Wars movie that I was act- actually able to see in theaters. Was that the case for you?
1: So it was the first I saw in theaters. It was also the first Star Wars film I ever watched. Oh, uh, Yeah, so uh, my introduction to Star Wars and becoming a fan of Star Wars is a little unorthodox compared to a lot of people who, uh, you know, they were shown the films by their family members, by their parents. It was like dad that set them down and talked about going to see that for the first time in 1977 that didn't mm-hmm. happen for me. Um my first experiences were riding star tours at Disneyland without any context. I was just riding <laughs> in a spaceship and going out to outer space and I thought it was fun. Yep. Um and my other experience before Phantom Menace was uh whenever I would hang out in my older brother's room, he had a lot of posters and he had some memorabilia for Star Wars. I remember seeing like a Yoda poster made up of collages. It had one of his quotes, I don't remember which one it was. He had a couple of like toys and trinkets, and I remember like reading them and wondering like, what's Return of the Jetty? Or like, I didn't know how to pronounce any of this stuff. <laughs> if there is uh, any proof of how good a marketing campaign can work, uh the marketing campaign for the Phantom Menace worked wonders on me. Mm. All I remember in that in that time when the film was coming out was hearing the music, which I'd heard like on and off with no context. Like I knew what the Star Wars theme was. Right. Um. But I was just so captivated by the trailers and the uh, TV spots. And I remember going to the store with my mom, and I would see banners that had like this huge image of Queen Amidala. And she looked so weird and cool at the same time. Like, there was a neat aura to her. I just loved her makeup. there was this other instance I remember when my mom and I were eating at Taco Bell, and I remember they were promoting the movie there too. You could buy uh, if kids' toy kids' meals came with the toys, huh. and um, there was a big poster of Qui Gon, and like there was something about his look that intense, focused look that drew me in. I just wanted to know who he was, what his story was. So when the film came out, I begged my dad to go take me to see it, and he 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 would take me to see movies without context. Um. And he grew up in mexico too so it was fascinating for me later when i came out of this movie and i loved it and he told me like yeah i saw the original in mexico in in the 70s and i took your mom to go see it and when i went home and told my brother i had just seen the phantom menace and that i loved it uh he he said okay we're gonna we're gonna start somewhere else now. Uh, we went to our local movie store. We rented the VHS films of the original. And I remember this particular uh, rental store had copies of the VHS in their original format. So not the special editions that came out in the 90s. They had the nice. original releases. So hmm. I've been able to see those. I'm glad I got to see those. Yeah. And yeah, when he sat me down and put on A New Hope and I finally got introduced to luke skywalker and princess leia and darth vader it, it was the rest is history like that's where i was really drawn into this spectacular story that i can safely claim i love so much more than my brother now <laughs> he got nowhere <laughs> he got nowhere near as obsessed as i did but
0: and and by that, you mean you, you love Star Wars more than your brother loves Star Wars, not you love Star Wars more than your brother, right? Yeah, I love okay, Star okay. Wars more than my brother. Yes. <laughs>
1: love star wars so i still love you i still love my brother out there (laughs) but yes all i remember is spending just hours in the starwars.com database looking up planets and characters and their backstories Mm -hmm. and i remember a trip to disneyland once i was i was familiarized with all of these stories uh, and i rewrote star tours Mm -hmm. and it all clicked because when he was having me watch a new hope for the first time when we got to the trench run on the death star all i remember shouting is hey i've been there because that's yes. all i remembered and i was so excited um but for those that don't know me too well uh, the impact that star wars has had in my life it's insane i have been able to see some amazing things just being a part of the fandom um i got my first tattoo at star wars celebration it's the symbol of the rebel alliance that was a really Uh, crazy uh, spur-of-the-moment thing I did, Hmm. but I also got engaged in the Millennium Falcon at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and my fiancé works in Galaxy's Edge, so it just, it, like, it's not just a favorite film for me. Star Wars gave me some of my closest friends, even those that don't enjoy it as much as I do, they still, usually there's a connection with Star Wars that starts a lot of my friendships, Um, It's given me some of the most memorable moments of my life and my career and it gave me the love of my life. He was introduced to me um, by being told hey she likes Star Wars uh, just as much as you and he said he didn't think that was such a thing that such a person existed that was um, in love with the series as much as him. And he remembers reading a uh, social media post where I was uh, listening to the soundtrack of The Force Awakens while cooking dinner. And he's like, okay, no, she's the one. Oh. <laughs> so, and it all of this started with The Phantom Menace. It's not my favorite film out of the franchise, um, but I just hold it to such a special regard huh. because it's it was the catalyst for this amazing story that I know has impacted so many people.
0: Yeah. And that's a great distinction that you just gave as it's not your favorite film in the franchise, but it had such a unique impact on you. And I think that's what is so great about these conversations is we're getting to know the co-hosts more as people and not just astute observers of stories and themes and characters and all of that. So that's just so much fun to hear about. Now, did you ever get into the novels and the things that are now considered legends?
1: I got into a few of them, not as much as I wanted to, uh, mostly because of resources. I just didn't have yeah. uh, you know, the money to go out and buy these books, uh, nor did I know where to find them. Yeah. Um, I know vaguely of some of the extended universe characters and storylines uh, from my time on the databank on StarWars.com. So I did know about Mara Jade, I did know about Han and Leia's um, three children originally written in these expanded universe stories. So I had some familiarity with them, I wasn't as attached to them. Um, So by the time that new canon came out and all of that was turned into legends, it didn't impact me hugely. uh, But I did feel bummed for those that it did impact. I saw how much that affected people. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I also empathized a lot with the people that had no idea that all of that existed and were being introduced anew because that was me. I didn't get to grow up with the original story and characters. I came in this whole new wave of fans uh, with the prequels. And Mm -hmm. I was so oblivious to a lot of the fandom tension at the time too, because I was only 10 years old when the Phantom Menace came out. And so I was just absorbed into Star Wars. I didn't know that there were people that hated the Phantom Menace. I thought it was the best thing at the time. Yeah. So yes, I can imagine like, you know, feeling bummed at seeing some of my favorite characters like Mara Jade or um, Anakin Solo kind of be turned into legends. But to see a new generation be introduced to characters like Rey and yeah. uh, Kylo Ren and Finn and Poe, like I, I appreciate that because that was me.
0: And it's exciting to just think about which of those stories will be turned into a film or a series on Disney Plus or whatever in the future. There's a lot of rich heritage to draw from.
1: Exactly. There's, and like what I said earlier, there's just so much more that can be found in this universe now than there was even when I was introduced. And I never thought that of a possibility, but now I can go watch this side story of a Mandalorian and the child Yep. and also go and fly the Millennium Falcon myself. Like all of that is just so cool to think that it exists today.
0: Yeah. And once Disney acquired both Lucasfilm and Marvel, I started reading the Marvel Star Wars comic books that mm-hmm. are now canon. So I, it's fun. That's the biggest way I've explored the universe outside of the films. I didn't really get into the legends myself but it's it is incredible how that world continues to grow so is there something in the star wars universe that you're most excited about right now
1: Ooh, it's the it's the possibility of um just not only what's to come like with all of these new announcements we had over the weekend like taika waititi is going to be directing something that's so cool um i've always just loved diving into stories uh, that i already knew um or like stories that you knew existed but you didn't quite know how it happened and uh, i'll actually use clone wars as an example and as as the precedent of what i want in the future uh we had the clone wars season finale just this week on may the fourth and it we all knew order 66 happened we saw that in revenge of the sith we all knew a clone wars happened And given that we've been able to see Ahsoka reappear in Rebels, we knew that she survived. To be given the actual narrative of how that happened, Hmm. it's those moments specifically that I love. And I've been able to read a couple of the new canon books. Um, One of my favorites being um, Lost Stars,
0: Hmm.
1: which I don't know if um, you've had the opportunity to read. I have not yet. It's so cool because it's kind of a... uh, I see inspiration from it from an Akira Kurosawa film uh, where it's not quite about the main characters, but these side characters are the main characters. So it's about uh, two childhood best friends that grow up to eventually be lovers, but they are torn apart by the war between the rebel alliance and the uh, empire. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is loyal to the other. And so to see the story that we love from the films be weaved around these two characters that we usually consider kind of sidebars, I love those kind of moments and seeing how things came to be. Hmm. So I look forward to more stories that maybe go back and, you know, tell us about Obi-Wan's time while he's in seclusion and Tatooine or yeah. any other little adventures. There are so many characters that could have mini series, and it's those possibilities that I love. But if I have to narrow it down, it is the Obi-Wan series that I'm excited about. Awesome. That just sounds so cool. <laughs>
0: Having you and McGregor back, I think, will just be incredible.
1: It, it will be. I'm so excited to see him again.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about that. Now, I'm going to start mine. I'm with...
1: excited for yours. I really the... want to hear, like, your passion behind yours. Yeah,
0: but I, I just have to warn you, I'm kind of going to do a J, where I have <laughs> a, a, a series of honorable mentions because... I love it. Yeah, stories have meant a lot to me for a long time. So, um, a couple films that didn't kind of make the cut were the matrix uh my Uh dad and okay yeah uh last time i talked about the matrix jay was so fascinated because he thinks that that's such a dark and moody movie and doesn't really match my personality um but it's just a movie that my dad and i bonded over um during my freshman year in high school and it was a year that During a calendar year, we moved from Texas, or I'm sorry, from California to Texas to Minnesota. And so there was just a lot of emotion and turmoil in life in my family during that time, and just all those transitions. So that movie was such a cool blend of philosophy, action, groundbreaking visuals, and it let us just think and talk about something else for a while. So that just kind of came at a perfect time um jurassic park for sure it was the first pg-13 movie i was allowed to see in the theaters and it blew my mind it was exciting and scary and i had never seen anything like it before uh plus i was super into dinosaurs as a kid so it was just you know my my fantasy on screen um obviously disney movies uh were (laughs) always a big part of my life yeah um the animated movies and then there were a lot of live action movies that were kind of staples in my family like the swiss family robinson and the rocketeer yeah i I,
1: love the rocketeer
0: (laughs) yeah i Um. that is one movie that i do want disney to remake because i think that it would be just really cool to see more of that story i like i think that the rocketeer would be perfect for a series on disney plus
1: now you have me <sighs> hyped for something I really, like, I really want them to do that. Yes. And would be an amazing adaptation in this day and age. Ugh.
0: Um, and then uh, of course, like you, Star Wars, um, has always been a pretty big part of my life. I, I was, I was introduced to them differently. I was shown A New Hope, but then my dad didn't like the next two episodes, so he never talked about them. So I like found oh. out about them from like a buddy. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, Dad, there was more Star Wars, and you never told me. Um so but then i saw the phantom madness in the theater and everything also so but i had the memory that stands out to me is having a birthday party where my parents got me the original theatrical version of the of the original trilogy on vhs Mm. and my friends and i had a movie marathon well into the night i love it yeah but the movie that i'm gonna say is the most impactful geek story for me is the lord of the rings series
1: Ah, uh, perfect. And why yes. is that? Why Lord? I mean, I know Lord of the Rings is so impactful and it's just chock full of philosophy and analogy. Uh-huh. So I know that you could probably spend hours upon hours on your own.
0: And, <laughs> yeah, and and we actually did spend hours recently <laughs> um, talking about it for the Story Geeks but the episode I was on went missing. I so, know,
1: that's so heartbreaking. <laughs> I know, but
0: you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to say some of what I said. All um, right, here we go. <laughs> uh, so these are not only my most impactful geek stories, they are also my favorite movies of all time. Uh, they're kind of the movies that you know I'll put on if I'm sick or even just the movie that I'll put on in the background if I need to sit down. And work on you know a project for a while and just want something in the background. Um, they became the gold standard for me of what epic movies are. Uh, I am always surprised at how they make the battle scenes so grand, but mm-hmm. also take the time to make it really intimate, where you get the opportunity to follow the individual characters, and you know the stakes are high because. Which army will win? But the stakes are also high because I hope these individuals make it through okay. Um, and then just even the way that they make the battles bigger and bigger and higher and higher stakes throughout the trilogy is kind of a masterclass in all of that for me. I think, I think it's, an, it's interesting an interesting set of set movies, movies that, that like I'm, like not, I'm ready not ready to, to, show to show my nieces, nieces and, nephews and nephews yet. You yeah, know they're like they're still like, in right. the five and younger range, range. because it. <laughs> presents some really real darkness and some pretty scary situations. But the thing I am excited to share with them is just that there's an underlying sense of hope and Mm -hmm. community and that good will win in the end, um, even if it comes at a high price. Um, And then just, I like looking at statistics and things like that. So The Return of the (laughs) King is still tied for the record of most Academy Awards won by a single movie. Um, which is 11, you know, they did a lot of things right. And I think some of those Academy Awards were sort of given on behalf of what the trilogy was, not just that movie, but still that's, you know, it was an incredible movie. And I was so into these movies that I would spend the very little money I had at the time to buy both the theatrical release (laughs) and the extended editions Mm -hmm. when they came out on DVD. Um, And I was so eagerly awaiting those that I remember having a dream that Peter Jackson came to my door with the extended edition of the two towers before it was released and was like, Hey, we're randomly asking people to beta test this. Would you mind watching (laughs) this and watching through all the special features? And I'm like, you know, Hey, for you, Mr. Jackson, absolutely.
1: Oh, Um, I love that. That is so (laughs) cute.
0: I love that. (laughs) And then, I mean, what I've also realized as I was compiling this list of, impactful stories is that music plays a huge part for me. And so the music in these movies is incredible. I'll be talking about music in just about all of my other answers also. Yeah, these movies stuck with me and they came out at a pivotal time in my life. Also, just because they were released in theaters in 2001, 2002 and 2003 which now just thinking about that is amazing that they did that much production and post-production in that short of a time. I graduated from high school in 2002, and so those movies kind of bridged my, a really big transition in my Mm -hmm. life. I, I remember watching The Return of the King with my parents on a Christmas break and being really affected by the end of the movie just because the trilogy's ending and all the characters are going their separate directions and all of that. But then also knowing that in just a week or so, I'd be heading back to college and wouldn't see my parents for a while. So just even when those movies were released in my life was uh, a big deal. But yeah, I love those movies and just love that we have this podcast to dive into them. Because if any of our listeners haven't listened to those Lord of the Rings podcasts, they're great. And Lord of the Rings for me is just A perfect example of why we have this because even when you were asking me you know it is so chock-full of philosophy and themes and exploring characters Um, they're just wonderful films to watch and think about and talk about and there are some stories that I believe you're a better person after you take them in than you were before I think it's an example of a story that can really change someone's life for the better
1: I, I agree, and I I wasn't too familiar with this franchise, unfortunately, as much as I wanted to when they came out. It's been more of a recent reintroduction, mm-hmm. um, but the, it, a lot of what you hit on uh, their, the spirituality aspect to it, I love that you talked about the sense of community and hope, even at a high cost. Yeah that was my takeaway even when i started to uh rewatch them and fully appreciate them just fairly recently and yeah these are very wonderful films and i can mm. see how they would be impactful in such a transitional moment of life like yours
0: yeah um have have you been able to watch the extended versions yet yeah,
1: yeah so okay um, good okay yeah so i have watched the movies a few times but um the, like these stories these books uh, they weren't Something that I, I knew of growing up in a Mexican-American household, like, I, <laughs> I didn't know who J.R.R. Tolkien was. Right. Um, the films came out uh, when Harry Potter was coming out, and so I was more right. familiar with Harry Potter at the time. Um, and I had a few friends that tried to introduce me to the books and the films, and I would watch them, and I'd appreciate the visuals. The music, like you said, is what stuck to me. The music mm-hmm. is phenomenal, and... I would listen to the music uh, a lot over the last several years just because I loved it that much. Uh, but I asked my fiancé if we could watch them. I wanted to fully appreciate them, and so he made me sit down, and we watched nothing but the extended version, so just, like, fairly recently.
0: Awesome. And And
1: um, so I have a hard time differentiating what's the original cut and what's special edition, and I think that's okay. I think it's really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I just think these are amazing stories. Mm. That's a great choice.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. And I mean, it's hard to argue with Star Wars. So this is just great to talk about.
1: Great saga storytelling. That's where it comes best, isn't it? (laughs) So, I mean, I know that right now with uh, everything that's happening, we have so much time on our hands and yet we both find ourselves strangely lacking in time to catch up on some of our favorite television shows right now uh but even so there's a lot of impactful geek stories when it comes in the format of television isn't there
0: yes um and i think that with the exception of star wars and the mcu i'm generally more excited about tv shows right now than i am about movies
1: and I have always been the opposite. I have always been more excited for film than television shows. And that doesn't mean that I don't not have a favorite television show or don't yeah. watch television. There, I think television is such an amazing format for storytelling. I think I find myself often dissatisfied mm-hmm. when they wrap up some shows because a lot of that hangs on producers and executives deciding if shows are gonna get greenlit for another season or not. So sometimes yeah. um, these storytellers and writers don't have the capacity to finish a story the way they want to. And I think the ending of a story is just as important as the story itself.
0: Absolutely, and you were just talking about the Clone Wars, uh-huh. and that's <laughs> such a fascinating example of that that was kind of brought back in sort of two iterations. Uh, but now finally has a conclusion
1: exactly and i think that's why i appreciate that we live in an era where we have streaming services because Mm. i think that has allowed for a greater flex on the industry to allow these storytellers to finish telling the stories the way they want to Mm. um, as opposed to abruptly wrapping up or leaving it kind of hanging because they get canceled yep um, but I, I do have my favorite geek stories though. Uh, but I'm curious about yours. So when it comes to television, um, and I know I'm probably in for a couple of, uh, J's and having a right. couple of honorable mentions, but I am curious what your most impactful geek story on television is.
0: And I feel like that is a very reasonable expectation, but right now <laughs> you don't get it. Because really, one that for me, it just stands head and shoulders above every other TV show When i think about impactfulness so um for me that show is lost all Um,
1: right (laughs) yeah
0: so this was a show that i watched from the pilot through the end week by week as it was on tv um so i kind of planned my life around this show because (laughs) at least at the time there wasn't much in the way of streaming so i really tried to uh just plan my life around watching that when it was on abc every week um this show hit so many different things for me uh again the music uh michael Giacchino, i think is how you pronounce his name
1: that's how i pronounce it so Perfect. apologies if yes, we yes. get it wrong michael
0: and if we get it wrong and you want to come correct us on this podcast you're more than welcome to yeah, absolutely uh, <laughs> uh the characters the action the mystery the stories Um, It was really the first show that I watched that I wanted to go on forever. I wanted to keep diving into the mysteries of the island, the Dharma initiative, the characters. Um, It had an incredible premise, amazing characters, and I felt like each week had elements of a therapy session for one of the characters as you kind of dive into their past or later in their show, you dive into their future and learn about who they are, really before the crash uh on the island Mm -hmm. and learn about some of the things that are going on to the surface whether it's their motivations or their fears or their baggage um or what's like literally in their baggage that was on the plane um and the episode the constant is still one of my favorite episodes of tv period it plays with the ideas of time travel which is just always something that i enjoy and i do too uh, (laughs) oh We, there was a, a while back we had a conversation about time travel on the Story Geeks and I wasn't on that episode. That's probably the episode that I wanted to be on the most. But this this episode ends with such a powerful, emotional, and hopeful moment that as I was prepping for this conversation, I looked it up on YouTube, just the finale <laughs> of it. And I was like, oh, it still hits. This is so good. <laughs> um, and J.J. Abrams, who produced the show, uh has a famous TED talk where he discusses the idea of a mystery box and the challenge as a storyteller to know how much to reveal and how much to keep secret. And I think that Lost had great moments and, you know, not so great moments and there's still things I want to know. And even between the seasons, they had these, like, secret stories that happened. Like, I was following online this character named persephone that never shows up in the show but was researching the darm initiative so i kind of went deep into the mythology of Lost, (laughs) um and you know one of the things that quickly comes up when you talk about Lost is just that it did not have a a very strong ending uh kind of like what you were mentioning when we Mm -hmm. were starting this conversation just that it wasn't what the show deserved to some extent but just that in and of itself still wasn't enough to take this out of this spot for me um i've never been so invested trying to predict the outcome of cliffhangers or romantic you know uh triangles or anything like that um as i was in this show so yeah lost i need to go to hawaii sometime and just like walk (laughs) around in some of those spaces
1: and know that you're on the island.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna go look for that hatch. See if yeah, <laughs> see if Desmond's still hanging out somewhere.
1: Yeah, I so I will come clean and I'd only wash a few. I watched the pilot. I do remember the pilot yeah. drew me in. Um, but I I do have a hard time staying focused with shows, so I did quickly fall out on that. But I I love when shows are just such a cultural phenomenon because I remember how hyped. So many of my friends were to see the finale and whether or not they liked it, I just really appreciated how I I could tell they had invested as much as you, maybe not as much as you. It sounds like you really (laughs) invested. (laughs) Um, But there's something about that, that I just love to see out of fans when they get so excited over their favorite stories. It's just one of the coolest things to witness.
0: Yeah. And um, it's fun when it's, you know, that inclusive inviting feeling so much of the conversation around fandom we've had recently is that it's been so divisive and it's been Mm -hmm. so backbiting but at least from my memory you know fans of lost were just in you know had different opinions of who should end up with kate you know but we're like (laughs) on your team you know um so yeah fandom is fun fandom is good it, it is i agree um so we're talking about tv shows natalie what is your most impactful <laughs> geek tv show
1: so unlike you where you were able to zoom in on Lost right away mm-hmm. this is the one i had to think about it of all of these categories huh. um i am going to do a j i'm going to have an honorable mention and this one is an honorable mention because it was already talked by our co talked about by our co-host uh silla okay um which is the simpsons so i I have this fondness to The Simpsons because I am as old as that show has been on air.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. So every time somebody mentions whatever season they have to, to be on it, if you know how what season they currently are, I am that old, and um, <laughs> I I just happen to watch it again. My brother was a big influence on a lot of my pop culture life, so mm. because he watched it, I watched it, and it's just been a constant in my life, mm. and like to relate to uh what a lot of silla said on uh their episode talking about their most impactful stories it's just a like a comfort for me and there is a lot of humor and a lot of underlying wisdom that i did not appreciate as a kid and thanks to disney plus i've been able to rewatch so many of my favorite episodes and just be like retold a lot of these philosophical aspects that strangely sometimes come from homer and bart and i just like never expect that but um i just think it's such a great show um especially the earlier seasons and it has also been a connecting point to some of my friends um Scylla being one of them where we can Quote or just like cite some part of a Simpsons episode, and we almost know exactly what moment we're talking about. And I just like love that so much that we can remember the humor and the dialogue and the jokes. And it, it's just such a fun geek story,
0: yeah. And it's incredible when something can become kind of a living language for you and yes. your friends <laughs> that that brings something else. Uh, The Simpsons probably should have been on my J list, my honorable mention (laughs) list, because I grew up in a pretty conservative family. Mm. So I wasn't allowed to watch this show, but sometimes I would sneak and watch it. So I have memories of like thinking, oh, this is like such a cool show. And, you know, like I feel so grown up for watching it. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, I love that. you, You mentioned just some powerful philosophical thoughts and, things that come from Homer. Does anything stand out to you as something was profound to you from that show?
1: Gosh, um so many things and they're all trying to like blurt out of my mouth mm-hmm. like as I'm talking right now.
0: One of the things for me is when he just hates his job
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you know continues to go back for his family yeah. and how he reframed that placard, the you know, there was, was exactly.
1: So that's such a sweet moment. Yeah, there's moments like that that just like They're so sentimental and sweet and like you wouldn't expect that most of the time but I love having those and they're not too often either so it doesn't get like Mm. overly sappy it's just like sprinkled out throughout the like or like the series just enough so where you start to you know dismiss Homer as a goofball who isn't that smart and bright you remember that he has a heart and that he does love his family as much as he strangles bart he like mm. loves <laughs> he loves his family and um that that particular moment is a great reference mm. I, I like that a lot
0: <laughs> um so uh, but i mean that's only your honorable mention yeah so, so what what is your most impactful tv show
1: uh, my most impactful tv show came around uh you would think i watched this growing up and it actually was pretty popular around my high school years and i um i grew up not having access to cable or like any channels that were on cable so a lot of my shows throughout most of my childhood were on like pbs and everything of the sort mm-hmm. uh but a friend of mine who uh, you know was lucky enough to have cable <laughs> they introduced me to a show on nickelodeon and uh, that was avatar the last airbender oh,
0: so and good. i
1: yes and like i this is absolutely my most impactful television story because At that time, I was very much drawn into the anime scene. So I was starting to become familiar with anime shows uh, from Japan. And um, Avatar was not from Japan. It was American produced. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, carried a little bit of that, you know, the aesthetic of uh, Eastern storytelling, especially with the cultural depictions um, in the show. Mm -hmm. And it just captured me. I was amazed to see such a well-written, thought-out intricate show on a channel aimed for children's and Mm. animation gets easily dismissed as being kiddie um which is one of my biggest gripes with uh, people when they see something animated oh it's for kids and uh when you really sit down and watch a lot of these shows that are animated there's just some amazing things that are being told to kids um they're given a medium to do some amazing storytelling to influence kids and avatar is absolutely one of those Mm-hmm. Um, It stands out for me a lot because it was the first time in a long time that I saw such an amazing redemption arc for a villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way Zuko gets redeemed through the whole series, not just in a season. Um, yeah, yeah. We see him at his worst in season one. Mm-hmm. We see him in his struggles in season two. And then we see him in his redemption in season three. Like mm. that takes a lot of like time and effort. And I could see how much these creators poured their heart out into just something, just Zuko alone, let alone every single character. Yeah. Um, and these ideas like Katara, knowing that she can be more than just a healer and proving mm. that to an elder in her own culture. Um, Aang having to, you know, bear the burden of being the last of his kind. And not Mm. only the last of his kind, but being the Avatar. Uh, I I just, I love this series so much. It never, in most of my childhood, had I been drawn into such an intricate story of fantasy like that on television. Mm. And it came a little later than a lot of people have like a lot of people have these impactful stories earlier in their childhood this one came a little later but um i can easily think back on how much how brilliant this show is and i haven't had the means to rewatch it uh but i know we're getting that really soon thanks to netflix and i am so excited to sit down and re-binge this whole show
0: yeah and you know again we have the time to do that right now yes (laughs) um uh, when you were talking about all the characters, I just remember loving um, Uncle Ira oh, and just yeah. everything he says and does, um, yes. and like just thankful that Zuko had him in his life because I think he would have you know gone a very different path if it wasn't for him. Um, I
1: agree, and uh, he Iroh stands out as you know a symbol of the importance of having that mentor, the mentor mm. that is going to call us out when we don't want to be called out. I know. Yeah. I hate being called out on my flaws, but boy, do I need it. Uh, We all need, we all need to be told um, where our strong points are and where we can just be better for ourselves and for our loved ones. And Iroh is the epitome of a mentor. He is just so good and how he did not give up on his nephew because he saw the good in him is just amazing.
0: Yeah. And then this is such a a lighthearted question, but I am kind of curious, similar to, you know, which Hogwarts house would you be in? Uh, <laughs> wh- which which tribe would you choose to be a part of?
1: Which or which element would I? Yeah, uh, exactly. Element? I ooh, I I know I'm not fire. I actually have a ph- uh, a phobia of fire, so I know that's the opposite. <laughs> which leads me to um, I'd probably be a water bender because nice. uh, there's something about water. It's it's a source of life. It's cleansing. It's mm-hmm. refreshing. I. I've always been drawn to just bodies of water, whether it's like a creek or a stream or a pond or like going to the beach. I just, mm-hmm. I feel so at calm and at peace with water. So I think mm-hmm. I'd be a waterbender. Awesome. How about you? I'm curious.
0: I, I think I would be as well. Um, I And I think that, especially in that show, water is depicted as, like you had mentioned, a, a healing agent, as well as something that can be used to protect defend attack so just even the versatility of water um was really interesting to me in that um so yeah water tribe all the way (laughs) but i wouldn't do well in the cold so i'd have to like be like the southern water tribe
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh, you know i might be too and um yeah i i also have a tendency to lean towards like the earth benders, um because i do have an attachment to earth um because mm. i think and i also think metal bending would be really cool yeah. top pulling that off but yeah i'm not so keen to the cold either so yeah. that's that's something that would have to be dealt with <laughs>
0: <laughs> um cool well thanks for sharing that i mean those both the simpsons and avatar have affected so many people in so many different ways so um those are Great shows to reference. Um, I want to kind of open the conversation up a little bit wider um, and just see if there were any other impactful geek stories for you in novels, video games, uh, theatrical productions, anything like that. I'm just kind of very, very broad question.
1: Yes, um, the answer to that is yes on all of those. <laughs> More so than television, I think this is where some of my most impactful stories come from. They do come from uh, books, theater, and games. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I was into the anime scene for a while. Uh, so I did explore a lot of manga, and there were some amazing stories um, by the authors Clamp that I love. They were the creators of like Cardcaptor Sakura, which is also an anime show. It did air in the United States, and I love that show. Um, but I'm gonna highlight three stories, um, in the form of book, video game, and theater. Uh, so nice. I'm actually gonna start with book, um, that's gonna be Harry Potter. Uh, nice. Harry Potter was, like, the first uh, true fantasy that I ever read. Like, I, again, wasn't brought up with a lot of these stories to inherit from family members. Uh, for example, my fiancé has a cool... Co- uh, three copies of um the lord of the rings trilogy mm-hmm. from the 60s that he inherited from his mom because Ooh. she grew up reading those yeah so those are like it's so cool to look at them because you could tell they're so loved and taken care of a- and read i didn't quite have that being first uh, generation um Im- to immigrant parents here so i had to discover a lot of my geek stories on my own and harry potter was one of those i saw all of my classmates reading it uh, I thought it looked so cool and I remember I got into the books right around the time the first film came out and mm. um, it, it just captivated me mm. and I remember being hesitant to pick it up or not so not so much me being hesitant more so my mom um, because I was brought up in something of a semi conservative Catholic household and mm. I remember there was a lot of controversy that surrounded Harry Potter mm. um, for its use of uh, witchcraft and I remember she fell a lot towards um, wanting to support these ideas that um, parents shouldn't let their kids read the books, Uh, but she changed her stance easily when she watched the first film and um, which I really appreciate because my parents, uh, they were not strong English speakers and I always appreciate a story that can resonate through the language barrier because that's how I know it's a good story for anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was the case with the first Harry Potter film. She watched it and uh, she thought it was fantastic. And she didn't feel any hesitation or qualms with me reading these books. And um, I easily absorbed myself into these. They're such easy rereads. And I. Remember being so excited, waiting for the release of the seventh book at midnight at Barnes and Noble. And um, there is another just special moment that I attach to th- me reading this these uh, these particular books with my mom. Uh, She never read them. She would watch a few of the films. Uh, There was this one time in high school when I was about 16 years old, I was um, working my first part-time job at McDonald's. And uh, there was this time where the Goblet of Fire had just come out um, in theaters. And I was having a really tough teenage time. I had just broken up with my boyfriend in high school. I was just really stressed by high school studies and I remember she picked me up from a shift I was working a weekend shift at McDonald's and she said uh, she had an idea Uh, let's go and grab a bunch of snacks and go to the drive-in and we'll go watch uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and this is my mom coming in with no context of um too much context of the movies but the fact that she knew how much these stories meant to me and she wanted to cheer me up Um, meant a lot. And I, my mom was uh, sick with cancer throughout my entire high school years. Mm. So I remember being at the hospital shortly before she passed away. We were just watching the news and um, they had just released the cover for uh, the Deathly Hallows. Mm. Um, And I remember we were watching that illustration and she just said like, Oh, look at that. Like, I know you love that book. I hope you like, I'm excited for you to get to read it. And the book did come out after my mom passed away. Um, but just even having that moment with her just she understood like her understanding how much these stories meant to me um Mm. just meant a lot it meant that i i got from that knowing what i took away from that was knowing that she knew me she just like knew my personality knew my likes and dislikes and i have always just kind of held on to that specific memory
0: Mm. and i mean my goodness that's a precious memory and you know just anyone could have taken you to a movie anyone could have taken you even to that movie but just to have someone take you so intentionally and especially after your mom has passed away to have memories like that of her together where she's intentionally seeking to be with you and to love you that that's pretty incredible not everyone gets memories like that
1: Exactly. And Mm. I think, and I'd like to think that something from Harry Potter actually helped her see that because she understood it was a story of an orphan Mm. and um, who is just seeking family, who is just seeking people to love him and accept him. And um, there was something about that that touched her. I remember... Her just always being touched anytime there was uh, like messages or images of Harry's parents that showed up in the films. Like there was, I, I don't know what it was that resonated with her when she saw that, but I think that was probably a sense of her situation and knowing where that may or may not leave me as we were still unsure what the future was with her um, prognosis.
0: Wow. Um,
1: I think that's something that I think back on a lot. Um, it's something I haven't shared quite often, not because I don't want to, it's just like. I've kind of made it one of those passive memories, but I think back on it a lot, and I just remember how fun it was to just eat a bunch of candy with her at the drive-in <laughs> um, while watching this movie, and how how much she really liked it. Like, it, it meant a lot to know that coming from a culture that was severely encouraging parents to not let their children read or watch this story, yeah, and yeah. she saw beyond that. There was just something that I really appreciated out of that.
0: Hmm. Um. I I feel like that goes to our sign off where we talk about uh you know question everything and always right. seek the truth. <laughs> so I, I feel like I feel like your mom was an example of uh, a discerning person in your life.
1: Hmm. I, I I think I would agree. I think that's a an epiphany I was not expecting out of this today, but I mm. love it because that's that's what we're here for.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And then I know that us uh, Story Geeks hosts have talked about um, the Harry Potter franchise as one of the topics that we're going to tackle in the not-too-distant future. So I'm looking forward to being able to talk about those books and movies more with you.
1: I am so excited for that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That's books for me, though, and um, I still want to rant on about a couple more. Yeah. Given the fact that like we were given a platform to talk about impactful story on the stage, you have no idea how excited I was for this, because <laughs> I love musicals, I love Broadway shows, mm. and I never thought I'd have an opportunity to rave about one of my favorite shows in this uh in this manner. Mm. Um, but I also attached the show to the same era of my life in high school and um dealing with my mom's illness, and the show was wicked and i mean wicked being inspired by one of the most quintessential family uh, fantasy stories being the wonderful wizard of oz and being giving another perspective of a character and this show is just such an amazing theatrical Hmm. production i am always awed when i get to see it uh i was introduced to it um By actually reading a magazine on a plane i was going to walt disney world in high school and i saw a magazine that had an article of uh menzel who i'd never heard of um and i remember she was called a witchy woman (laughs) and i was like who is this and i just read this article about this new broadway show that talked about the bat the origin story of the wicked witch of the west i'm like oh that sounds Mm. cool and I discovered the music shortly thereafter. How can you not love that music? It's such a great music. It is. And um, I spent all of high school just dreaming about finally getting to see it. Mm. And my mom dealt with me listening to the show on hours and hours on end at home and singing at the top of my lungs, even though I have no singing voice whatsoever. Mm. Um, but there, there was just so much about this show that I appreciated and loved all of high school. I was a theater nerd in high school, so whenever we'd have downtime, I would pretend to be Elphaba on the stage. <laughs> um, and my mom passed away about a month before my 18th birthday, which is when I got to see the show for the first time hmm. um, on my 18th birthday with uh, one of my closest friends, who I'm going to talk about in my last impactful story and. Awesome. Um, I've seen the show several times it's so amazing every time I see it and every time I see it I happen to see it like in a different stage of my life the last Mm. time being about a year ago when it was at the Pantages and I had orchestra seats just a few rows back from the stage and like to be at a point in my life where I could afford those whereas the first time I saw it I was in the back seat up in the mezzanine yeah that was a cool way to show just how far I'd come and yeah I I adore this show so much.
0: That's. Wonderful. Have you been able to watch it with your fiance?
1: Yes. Um, so funny story about that. When he was uh, when he was introduced to me and i Finally got to know a little bit more who he was. He actually attempted to ask me out on our first date to go see the show, uh, which is really sweet, but that's uh, going way too fast, way too quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I politely turned him down. Uh, so this last time that we went to see it was with him. It was a Christmas oh. gift. And so he was just choking around that he finally got to take me to go see the show.
0: <laughs> oh, um, my wife and I have a Broadway playlist and... Um, so, a number of songs from Wicked are on it. But whenever Define Gravity comes on, uh, that's one of the songs that I like tend to not sing along to. I sing poorly to most of the <laughs> songs. But Defying Gravity is one of those that I just kind of sit and take in
1: mm. every
0: time I uh, listen to it. And I try not to listen to it too often so that it still kind of has yeah. an impact on me. Um, but, man, that is just a gorgeous song and then when we just talk about theater shows i can't think of another song that leads into intermission better than that song like i almost feel like ready to get up and leave like okay that's it good i'm done good enough yeah (laughs) um but you know but there there's great story to come later and you know some great songs but yeah so but i mean just skipping ahead a little bit Wicked's also the show that I said <laughs> was my most impactful theatrical uh, geek show. Um, but and how, but
1: how, is it, how is it impactful for you, though?
0: Um, I think <laughs> part of it, to be honest, is there's not a ton of geek shows that I've seen that are theatrical That's and true. You know, fit into this category. <laughs> so I felt like it was a little bit of slim pickings. But um, <laughs> this was the first musical. I uh, I saw as an adult that you know like you're saying I paid for the tickets I brought a date you know so it, it was kind of one of those just rite of passage moments for me to a certain extent um and so just being able to see the costumes and the sets and the special effects and then hear that singing live in the room was mm-hmm. just, just such an incredible experience um I love ideas of revisionistic history, kind of thinking about, well, what if we had been told the wrong thing and, you know, it was really this way. So just trying to see things from different people's point of view, growing in empathy. um, Mm -hmm. And then it has some really interesting themes about prejudice and fear and power. Um, So yeah, just a real, and then uh, with these songs, uh, so many good songs, but then little things like my, uh, at my grandfather's funeral, Mm. we played for good over the slideshow of his life. And just having similar, you know, but different to what you're sharing, uh, just real emotional, relational moments that tie into these stories um, and kind of aren't, are are a little inseparable after a time um so yeah i, I love that I, yeah i've been able to see it twice live and have heard it you know countless times over the studio track and whatever you know little <laughs> bootleg clips i can find on youtube or something just to see alphaba raise uh in that moment
1: and i know that there has been talk of adapting this story to the medium of film mm which I know that has been kind of always comes in every couple of years and then kind right. of fades away. And yeah. And this is one of those where I'm not sure where I quite stand at. I, be, I would love to have it more accessible, but yes. it also seems to be a story that only the medium of the stage can truly give such a like the performances and the music such justice. So. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and just similar to what I was saying, there's something different about, Listening to someone sing something in a movie or on a CD uh, versus watch them sing it and be in the room with it, it it feels so different. Even if it's just a little imperfect, that almost makes it more special because I can't rewind this. I can't pause this. This is happening and then it's over. And there's something about theatrical shows that almost teach me about life and just being present where I am. Uh, Because you can't pause life, you can't rewind life. Nothing will ever be exactly the same. Even if you, you know, go to Disneyland again with the same group of people, it will (laughs) never be that previous trip. Um, And so you, you hit on the one thing that I really do value. It would bring more accessibility, more people would be exposed to the movie and the music. But then when you think about movies, with the technology today, they can show you... Anything. So right. I feel like we as a culture are less impressed <laughs> by movies now <laughs> than, you know, just this simple act of having uh, a performer on a platform that raises and mm-hmm. it looks like she's floating because of the lighting and everything that's supporting her is black. You know, there's something even in the simplicity of that effect that's so powerful that even with the best Hollywood, um, graphics behind it i'm not sure it will hit the same way as it does on the stage
1: right oh, i love it. now i want to go to the theater that's going to be one of the first things i do when we get to
0: go yes. back that, out to the real world is that like phase four for california i think <laughs> so okay, and i'm okay. so
1: looking forward to just seeing a live performer and how great are their vocals going to be after this rest right yes
0: hopefully <laughs> hopefully they've been maintaining their <laughs> instrument
1: that too as well <laughs>
0: Um, so I think the last category you have to touch on is, uh, most impactful video game.
1: Right. And video games was also something introduced to me later in my life. I didn't grow up with a whole lot of, uh, gaming platforms in my household. And this, this one is really fascinating for me. Um, and I, I just hold this particular video game to heart and those two that know me will know that one that was a pun and two will know how um (laughs) perfect of a video game franchise this is for me i feel like it was almost created for someone like me but this is kingdom hearts Mm. and uh Again, I am a big Disney nut. I grew up loving Disney and everything Disney mm. and uh, not so much video games. So I definitely didn't know what Square Enix was or what Final Fantasy was. Okay. Um, but this story, this, this particular story, this game is really impactful Um, because of its theme of friendship and the importance of friendship and doing anything for your friends. Mm. Um, it actually helped solidify and strengthen a friendship. Mm. Um this game came out when I was about in middle school, but I didn't play it until the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Um when I was over at a friend's house who I would go to almost like three times a week at this rate. <laughs> it was just yes. such a boring summer otherwise. <laughs> and I remember she was going to get us some snacks because we were about to watch a movie. And uh, while I was waiting, I saw kingdom hearts on her shelf and I just took it down. And I remembered seeing some of the trailers and I knew that the uh, premise would be you traveling to di- different Disney world. So you can go to Tarzan's jungle and wonderland with Alice and Mount Olympus Coliseum. Mm. And it just sounded cool. Cause that's everything I love. And she came back in and saw me looking at it and I told her that I'd been interested in this game. She's like, oh, do you want to play that instead? And I was like, oh, well, I could give it a shot. And this is such an epitome, like a, 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 such a moment, like a turning point moment for me. I like to think of this as the moment my life completely steered uh-huh. to the direction of geekdom. Um, because she said, uh, I don't think you'll even finish it anyway. Uh, But me finishing this game... Just dove me into the world of video games and anime and manga and conventions and discovering geek communities. Hmm. Something that continues to this day. Um, like winding up with me being here with the story geeks. Yes. Uh, just like it's I I claim for all of that to have started in that moment. And um, I like to joke with her a lot and telling her like, remember the time you didn't think I would have finished that game? <laughs> hmm. Um, because if I did it, I don't know where I would i wouldn't have gone to all these conventions and met these friends and been introduced to more geek communities over the years um but it all goes back to this one game mm. um this particular friend we uh had had almost a bit of a fall not even almost i think it was a falling out in high school that we started to repair that friendship towards the end of our junior year um, she was one of my first geek friends. We met in middle school um, because we bonded over Star Wars. Mm. Um, neither of us really had friends that liked Star Wars and we happened to see, I was one or the other, I can't remember who, we were holding um, a book that had Star Wars on it and that's what drew into conversation. Uh, so having that fallout up with her was really lame and this video game really solidified our friendship as she's still one of my closest friends to this day um this friend is allison and when we signed our senior yearbooks at the end of that year and this was me having gone through a lot uh, dealing with the loss of my mom and still dealing with graduating high school um but her being there by my side for all of this she signed my yearbook saying something to the effect of um, who would have thought all that was needed to give our friendship another shot was a long summer and a PS2? Thanks mm. for giving our friendship another shot. Mm. And like all of that because of Kingdom Hearts. So while well, I could spend hours talking about the philosophy and the world um, and the like spirituality of Kingdom Hearts and all of the games and of this franchise, um, it is impactful because of that. Because mm. it, for a story that, emphasizes friendships um it did exactly that and i am forever grateful for it
0: Hmm. and we are as story geeks we're just beginning to Mm -hmm. talk about video games so i would love for you to be able to spend some more time diving into some of the themes of kingdom hearts in the future um on another podcast just so Because I don't think most of the story geeks have played that and I would anticipate um, some of our audience has not yet played it. Um, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, Have you been able to meet Donald or Goofy? uh dressed as their kingdom hearts characters
1: no i haven't and i oh, okay. really really want to so i'm i'm looking forward to when we can again resume life where we again, can again phase stuff. four we're, we're holding phase our breath four. for phase four right for a theater oh. show and to be donald and goofy in their kingdom hearts gear. Yeah. yes that that's gonna bring it all together and i really have to bring my friend for that moment because that'll <laughs> be so cool
0: <laughs> no um but you're you're just talking about friendship and so we my my friend Ryan and I recorded our first podcast on video games. And one of the things we touched on a number of times was while video games in some circles have had a bit of a negative, I don't know, like eh, assumption that the people that play the video games are either, you know, on the far end going to commit an act of violence or uh-huh. just on the very uh, neutral end just gonna be wasting their time or are kind of loners and stuff. And both of our experiences, and it sounds like yours, is that video games are, again, stories. They're stories mm-hmm. that have impacts on us and that we get to explore in relationship. So I, some of my favorite experiences playing video games have been with friends. And so that's just wonderful to hear that for your friendship. And I look forward to hearing more about Kingdom Hearts, because again, i haven't played it yet I, how many of them are there now are there three there
1: are so there are there's the thing there are three main games and several sub games that have been released over the last almost 15 years in the form of mobile games nintendo uh gosh there were, i can't even remember the console name uh and then nintendo ds there, there's a lot of there's a lot of games the psp had a version Got it. So, so many games, uh, such a complicated, complex story that is so much fun and I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Awesome, I look forward to that. I My video game that I talked about didn't have a relationship. <laughs> like, this, this, I, I feel like it's inappropriate to transition into this, but- um.
1: But I love, I think I know what it is and I, I am such a fan of this franchise too.
0: Yeah, well, so it, for me, Zelda Ocarina of Time Ah, (laughs) kind of came along at the right time for me it it was again in that year in high school where we moved a number of times the same year my dad and I bonded over the matrix um, I played through uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time and I had played through Link's Awakening Mm. uh, previously on the Game Boy and Mm -hmm. so I had a little bit of knowledge of the Zelda world but Obviously, when you go from a game on the Game Boy to the N64, you know, which was just (laughs) groundbreaking and incredible at the time, Uh Um, the world got so much bigger, the game was much longer, the puzzles were more challenging. Um, I feel like in a time of my life that was pretty trying, this game helped teach me some perseverance um, Mm -hmm. and just problem solving and having fun and looking for the beauty and overcoming the evil um so yeah and and then you know memorable tunes like i i kid you not sometimes i just <laughs> whistle like the tune to call the horse you know because it's just like so hardwired into my brain right. from the millions of times i did it as you know a kid um Now
1: how how often do you hear Navi in your uh, ear telling you to listen <laughs> Listen no, I'm
0: I'm done listening fairy i want to do my thing um but yeah so and there I have had so few consoles in my life I haven't been able to play a number of the other ones that uh came out so those that's kind of something I can look put on my quarantine to-do list maybe find a way that I can play another Zelda game
1: I love one thing that you touched on and this is why I will always advocate for video games is you talked about how there is a connotation that like playing video games is a waste of time that Mm. it it kind of gives someone the appearance of being like lazy and not productive um but the zelda franchise is such a great example of how you can be doing anything but wasting your time playing these games they're they're puzzle solvers they're like you said they are just amazing escapes that also have you think through the issue um sometimes you're not quite given the clear direction you're told to go somewhere but you have no idea how to get there yep. yep and so you're left scrambling on this whole world just trying to go one direction or the other until you finally find a way to keep moving forward and like th- that is why i love the platform of video games because they are such long stories that do dive deep into the story that they're telling and mm-hmm not only that, but like help you be absorbed in it. And like, uh, while I get frustrated, if I'm caught up in a boss battle that I can't quite beat, and it takes me hours to beat it, yep, yep. there's just such a sense of satisfaction getting to that next part of the story and unlocking that next chapter or unlocking that ending. It's It's so fun.
0: Yeah, and the medium of storytelling in video games is so much more interactive than even you know watching a movie or reading a book because you have to like you're saying unlock the next thing beat the next boss so the level of engagement that is required for video games uh brings a different not necessarily more or better but just a different awareness of the themes and characters i think that um your average video game player could probably naturally have a more nuanced conversation about characters and themes and story mm-hmm. arcs and things like that about video games than your average television or movie watcher could because video games simply demand more engagement from the audience. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so excited to dive more into them in the <laughs> Me next <too>. little while. <laughs> I am so stoked. <laughs> mm. Um, And hopefully by the time this podcast is airing, at least one video game podcast will be out. So, yeah, you can go find that. Um, And then uh, for books, I I went to the other uh, fantasy. I feel like, and I mean, I could totally be wrong. Now that Game of Thrones exists, I feel like there's four big uh, books of fantasy. Mm -hmm. But um, the one that we haven't mentioned yet for me, is uh the chronicles of narnia
1: ah yeah
0: um i didn't actually finish reading all seven books until i was in college so i think i was actually more impacted by (laughs) there was a cartoon version (laughs) there was a bbc produced version and then disney produced uh the first couple of movies in the series so i think i was as a child more impacted by the film and TV versions of these stories. But when we're talking about themes and characters um, and messages, it is very much reinforcing a lot of what, what I was taught growing up um, about stories from the Bible. And Aslan, the main character, has a lot of similarities to Jesus. Um, and when I had mentioned, you know, not allowed to watch um, The Simpsons and I was not allowed to read Harry Potter Mm. uh, at those times Um, but this was a fantasy world that I was allowed to step into and enjoy Um, and so yeah at the time it just kind of brought in my imagination and uh, made me feel deeply about the different characters Um, the main four humans are two brothers and two sisters and I'm the oldest of two brothers mm. and two sisters. So th- there was just a lot that kind of lined up for me to love those. And now my wife and I are planning a trip to Europe in a couple years. You know, the planning <laughs> has been put on hold. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, it's the, the trip is in a couple years. And there is a pub that I absolutely must visit in England um, called the eagle and child or the nickname is the Burden baby and it's where the inklings met which was a group of authors including c.s lewis who wrote the chronicles of narnia and j.r.r R. tolkien who wrote um the lord of the rings so i absolutely must go have a pint or two at this place and just kind of be where some of my favorite literary storytellers thought and talked and laughed and debated um and you know i'm sure helped each other make their stories better
1: i've never heard of that pub but that sounds amazing that sounds yeah. so cool yeah so look forward to you telling us about that in the future when we are allowed to travel again yes <laughs>
0: yeah, me too sooner, and then, sooner
1: rather than later
0: <laughs> and then i answered my three main ones but i just want to give a quick shout out for comic books um you know mm, obviously yes. I'm looking forward to hearing Daryl talk about comic books because Uh. (laughs) I think he has read more comic books than all the story geeks combined. I think so. But um, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl was a comic that came out, I believe, about five years ago. And I bought every issue and have read the original graphic novel that came out parallel to that. Um, She is such a fun character and I feel like very empowering not just to women but just anybody because she uh solves her problems more or less through friendship and conversation or computer coding logic Mm. and so it's not it's it's a superhero that is so relatable because she's super awkward and funny but then her superpowers exist and help her but that's not ultimately what she uses to defeat these various situations in life um and then Like she, and this is totally a spoiler alert thing. Like, you know, if you're going to read through this, this would not be the thing to listen to. But um, she wields Mjolnir at one point. um, So she is worthy of Thor's hammer. And that just solidified for me, like everything I believed about her, the Marvel community also believed about her. um, So, yeah.
1: I'm having this like fun moment picturing the like Marvel community and you. Having a hyped moment, just the same as we had when we first saw Captain America wield Mjolnir in Endgame.
0: Yes. yes, seeing
1: Squirrel Girl do it, but as opposed to being in a theater, you're in your house reading your comic, being like, "Yes,
0: yes." But knowing that in their houses, somewhere else, you know, there are yes. thousands <laughs> of other people saying the exact same thing. Exactly.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's I, it.
0: I <laughs> that that is it. I mean, but but I feel like this has just wet my appetite to just talk about so many more things
1: same i could go on for quite a while but uh that just leaves us to look forward to talking more in future episodes when we dive into harry potter and video games and comics a little more specifically and i'm I'm so excited (laughs) all right well special thanks to you justin for being here with me today and talking about our most impactful geek stories
0: and thank you natalie
1: Don't miss any of our upcoming shows. Go ahead and subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider. Remember, you can join the Story Geeks Club for free. The link to the club is in the show notes. And if you want to join as a VIP member, we'll prioritize your questions and comments here on the live show. Plus, higher tier members get to join us as a guest. Learn more at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth.